Hi, I'm Talia. And I'm Ehab. We are the hosts of Compassionate Conversations podcast. Which is all about honest and compassionate conversations around issues affecting young people from single parent households. We'll be hosting each episode where we speak to some amazing young people with inspiring stories. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media, Single Parents Wellbeing. Hello and welcome to Compassionate Conversations. I am here today with my lovely nephew, Jamie, who is one of my favorite young people I've ever met. And he has an amazing story and is kindly sharing with us a few things on what it's like to have ADHD, autism, and we're also going to touch on mental health today as well. So yeah. Hi, Jamie. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Do you want to share a little bit about yourself before we go into uh, our conversation? I'm 14 years old. I live in Surrey. Yeah. I've got ADHD, autism, and I go to an SCN school. Cool. All right, then. Should we first kick us off? As you said, you have ADHD. What's it like having ADHD? Well, for me, it's quite normal. Because I don't know what it's like to not have ADHD. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I could be disorganised or I could be hyper. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of a thorn in my side, but that's life. But, you know, sometimes I want to break the stereotypes because when people don't know what they're talking about, it kind of makes me angry you know yeah so you know obviously ADHD isn't just being hyperactive all the time laughing behaving badly it can be constant mood swings and obviously that could just be in general obviously when you're going through puberty like me it's like a whole different minefield out there yeah so you know Sometimes you can be hungry, sometimes you can't. And there's just lots of other things that people wouldn't know about. Yeah, so you're saying lots of people just don't understand what ADHD is. Yes, and they might see just the surface of what ADHD is. Okay. But until they actually know what it is, then... Yeah. Yeah. And when did you first find out that you had ADHD? So I found out when I was eight, nine years old. It was obviously just a normal diagnosis. And I think three, I think when I was 11, maybe 10, I was put on medication. The medication was called Spiridone, which is an antidepressant. Yeah. Which kind of worked, but it wasn't the right drug for my ADHD. Obviously, medication for ADHD can't cure it you know I wouldn't want to cure it because sometimes I can use things to my advantage but I'm on a new drug now I was put on it for I think two years ago it changed it's called Concerta and that helps a lot but you know it doesn't control me it just lowers down impulsions compulsions outbursts and everything it doesn't stop it it tones it down okay yeah that's good 
And you said you mentioned that you can use it, like there are some like advantages of yes. it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I'm a massive fan of F1. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when this could be common with people with ADHD, is there's something called hyperfocus, which if you're really interested in it, you're focused and you know about it, you know about it a lot, you want to learn about it. And you're really in depth with the facts and everything. Mm. It's, I'm a massive F1 fan, so I can tell you all the F1 drivers who've won the championship till 1972. Yeah. You know, um, so there's some things you can use to my to your advantage with ADHD. Sometimes yeah. at school, I listen to hard bass. I don't necessarily like the music itself. But it helps me, if I'm writing, it helps me learn or focus because it's the noise, it's the beat of it. It helps, it controls pulses of it. it yeah. It, and it kind of like... Yeah. It's just I can write and I can focus. But obviously as a disadvantage, I cannot do slow things. So if people are speaking really slowly, I can't keep up with that. I'm constantly like flash you know he runs fast everyone's walking and he runs fast and when he walks he finds it really slow yeah when someone's talking slowly I get bored out of my skull I hate that it's one of the most painful things (laughs) I hate and obviously some people with who don't have ADHD maybe they can relate yeah you know but it's just one of those things are you okay with like communicating how you feel about it in the moment with people? Yes. That's good. It depends if I trust them. Yeah. It depends on the personality. I might not tell them that I have ADHD or autism, but I might teach them about it. Yeah, so good. And yeah. What I find amazing is that you're only 14 years old and yet you know so much about yourself and the way your mind works and what helps you, how it helps you concentrate and focus like in school. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't really know until like later on in life. So that often they can go through school actually struggling because they don't know what helps their mind to focus. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else you wanted to add that you want other people to understand about people with ADHD or have you Uh, covered everything? Keep on searching things up. If you think you've got something, then, like, you know, search it up. Obviously, what I do is if I think I've got something, I write things down on a piece of paper that I do in the morning, so common things, and then I search it up. So the first time I search it up, you know, it goes right ADHD, interrupts fidgets changing mood swings rapidly that all fits my criteria yeah so search it up don't be afraid to do it even if you think you don't or you do and you're still afraid search it up you know you've got to face the truth you've got to face the facts and the more you accept it the easier it will get but it's just coming out of the fact you've got this you might not have it but you know I found out now every time I search up something about like ADHD or autism, I'm learning something about myself every single day. 
And learning about yourself every single day is the best thing that you can possibly do to mm. help your well-being and mental health. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Preach it. That's amazing. And that brings us on to what about autism? How's that been for you? Autism. So autistic spectrum disorder. It's a range of wide things. So it could be Asperger's, ADHD, OCD, and just things in general. So this is quite a strong topic because with people who don't know what they're talking about, they think autism is just a person who has someone by their side, feeding them, behaving badly, flapping their hands around and being really dumb. That's not autism. Yeah. Autism is different in other people. Sometimes you can't spot it, sometimes you can. And I'm not saying that there's a person out there that flaps their hand with their parents feeding them. But many people who don't know what it is, is that you can use things to your advantage. If you've got a disability, a mental disability, you can always use things to your advantage. Like I always think as a superhero, it's quite cringe, but you know, you've got your superpower, but then you've got something that makes you vulnerable. Like Superman, he's got he can fly and stuff, but then kryptonite's his no weakness. It's like me with um, people who talk slowly or what else. It's just things in general. One person could really be good at maths, and then they could just really suck at socialising. Yeah. In terms of their highly functioning, highly functioning would mean. So I'm going to use this analogy. So, right, imagine I'm map reading. I want to go to Scotland north. Right, I'm going in a straight line. I've got a highly functioning mind. I'm going in a straight line. Right, you know, 20 minutes later, there's a massive wall in front of me. I don't know what to do. I can't go out of place because otherwise I might go the wrong way. But then I can't get over that wall because it's too high. That's where it kind of differentiates between highly functioning and low functioning. And it's people who sometimes who don't have autism or people who don't work with autism, they don't know. And I think we need to raise awareness with that because it breaks a stigma as well. And it kind of makes me quite angry when, you know, where they think an autistic person is just flapping their hands around. Yeah, of course. It's not, you know, there's always going to be that minority who thinks that. Yeah. But it's just, is what it is. You share something so amazing about, I love how you said about the being your superpower and yeah. using it for good. I think that's such an amazing message because it's like empowering like other young people, no matter what they've got, how they process things or how their mind works, you can use whatever it is to your advantage yes. and to do something yes. good. Yeah, but also, so I go to an SEN school. An SEN school has a mainstream school curriculum. So for those of you who don't know, mainstream school would be people who are not mainstream would be like the school doesn't really cater for autism Mm -hmm. but they can facilitate 
autism or spectrum disorder to a certain extent. Whereas in SEN school, they cater for everything. They can cater for speech and language therapy, occupational therapy, so that could be muscles, hand-eye coordination, core, sometimes walking, or there could just be news-led curriculum. So that could be a whole wide range of things in terms of like how to keep the bills up for a house. What is a mortgage? What is VAT? What is insurance? You know, that's what they teach us because normally people don't teach us things. We just know automatically. As a autistic person, you kind of have to put it in their mind because... You know, if you don't tell them, then they don't Mm, know. Yeah. Some of them do. You know, it's completely different and it's it's a spectrum of everything. That's why it's got autism spectrum disorder. There could be completely different people with autism. You could have a person who just can't look after themselves, can't socialise and has quite a low IQ. Mm -hmm. And then you've got someone in the middle, someone like me, who is good at socialising getting decent grades at school but then struggles to verbalise or socialise in certain areas or situations. And then you've got people on the higher scale Mm -hmm. which is highly functioning and low functioning. Highly functioning, as I said, this is a stereotypical way in how I'm going to use because this is the best way that I can use it is a robot you know they're really good at one thing but then the rest of things they struggle with and you know but it's very interesting yeah that is interesting because people know what autism is but they don't know what it exactly is and that's what i want to raise awareness for yeah i think it's really good to widen people's perspectives I think on what it is rather than having been like oh okay an autistic person is just this like having that immediate I don't know expectation or thought of what it is but actually it sounds way more complex than that and like you're right there's like a spectrum and you could be somewhere (laughs) anywhere on that spectrum and it's such a big spectrum isn't it yeah and obviously for any of you who are autistic whether you're younger or older or you think you have autism just go for a diagnosis you know don't be scared to because you know if you're not diagnosed with autism or you don't get a diagnosis then that's fine but for those parents I'm going to say this people don't know how hard it is to get a diagnosis for autism there is a waiting list I had to wait for at least Three to four years. Wow. Because it is so hard to get a diagnosis because you've got to assess them. You've got to assess them again and and again and again and have a meeting. You have to get EHCP, which I think is a educational healthcare plan, which is used for people with... So it's kind of like a, you know key card it's to get in a building you know an EHCP would help you to get like say if you need the therapy you've got proof okay but it's other things I don't have much knowledge into that 
but I know that you have to have an EHCP before you have to get a diagnosis. Okay. But then I think it's vice versa. But obviously for parents who are fighting for their children or just people who are fighting for a diagnosis, I feel for you. I was young. I didn't know that my carers were trying to get me a diagnosis. You know, I look back and I thank them. and I'm very thankful for them as well. Yeah, they've been amazing fighting for that process for you. And since having the diagnosis, how has knowing that helped you in life from school to maybe home life? It's helped me a lot because now I'm curious in what I can use into my advantage. I'm 14 years old and I'm in year nine. I need to know everything about myself before... I know about everything in terms of I need to look after myself before I look after other people. You know, I need to be prepared what's to come to do that challenge. Yeah. You know, and it's helped a lot. Yeah. You're such a mature 14-year-old as well. You would love a quote I heard recently, actually. It was from a single parents' wellbeing workshop that I went to. And I think it was from Brené Brown and it was the illustration of like if you're on an aircraft and you're struggling to breathe and a parent is spending all their time trying to fix their child's one and then they're sort of going under and struggling to breathe. They're saying like you need to focus on yourself first, you need to put your own oxygen mask on before you put it on other people. So it's just, yeah, that idea of like looking after your own well-being first, making sure you're okay before you make sure other people are okay. Yeah, and that's the main thing. You need to, obviously you said you need to look after yourself before you need to look after other people. Yeah. Um, and obviously parents who have got an autistic child and another neurotypical child, FYI, a child who doesn't have autism or any special need. Yeah it's very hard for them to focus their attention on both children. Yeah. Because I think with parents with chronic illnesses, so sometimes parents with arthritis or single mums, it's very hard for them because they're focusing on that one child who is, you know, struggling a lot, maybe kicking off. Yeah. And I think with maybe single mums, single dads as well, Mm. I'm going to get into this single dad thing because that is a very important thing that we need to talk about. Is obviously, I think sometimes with parents, I think they struggle to not give in because it's mentally exhausting to focus your attention on both children. Yeah. And that causes a lot of friction in a family. But, you know, they're your children and they always love you. Yeah. And it's just a way you've got to stick together and get through it. Yeah. And obviously with dads, they can sometimes, you know, it's a big blow for them. They can take things in different ways. So just look out for, like, your husband or your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, I don't know. But, you know, it's you should look out for each other, but not just one person because it's very important. And... Just take a look at yourself and what you're doing and Mm. make sure you have honest chats with your children and your partner and 
maybe even do a family like talking session. You might not have to like sit down on the table, but you know, talk talk about your feelings and that. And if one child just goes, "Oh, I don't want to talk about feelings," then you know, accept it. If they don't want to talk about it, they've got a choice. Mm. And maybe they don't want to talk with the group. Maybe they want to talk personally, but make sure you talk with the whole family before you talk with that child, because obviously, you talk to the child after. Just ask if you want to talk, but if they say no, then they say no. Yeah. That's fine, you know. But I've noticed now, you know, I need to focus on my life. And if anyone, you know, calls for help, then I'm there. And I can only help to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't need me, then I could just walk on. Yeah. Focus on myself because I've grown up now worrying about other people. Yeah. So that's had a big toll on my mental health so I've now just you know gone sod it and focusing yeah. on yourself yeah putting your own oxygen mask on first before yes. put on other people yeah yeah that's really good in looking after your well-being and talking about that I think that leads us nicely on to like talking about lockdown what was lockdown like for you lockdown was quite good I was doing my work I was you know, I had a Nintendo Switch, which was good. And we were going out for walks as well. And I was just dealing with the two people I live with, you know. And it was fun. And, you know, I got bored sometimes. But that's... I'm a child with ADHD. I can get bored. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, it might have been different for other families. But I think... In lockdown, I think we realise that we don't actually realise the greatness of something before it's taken away. Oh, yeah. So maybe like... A si- 100%. Yes, maybe like a sibling, you know, you might have wanted to get close together in lockdown. That might have been the best way. You know, if you just had the mindset, oh, no, I hate you, you're really annoying and you just, you know, sometimes you want to hit him. Mm. <laughs> that's understandable I don't have a sibling but you know there's nothing stopping you for, for building a relationship with a family member yeah that you want to but yeah so did any silver linings come for you through that time yes it was tough but then it was good in times it changed and you know someone said to me this was a TA someone said to me no feeling was final you could be feeling angry in one minute and then feel sad or depressed in 10 minutes, but it's not permanent and it won't change. Yeah. And I think everyone experiences that in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. We've got all the powers of wisdom from you today. <laughs> you should be a life coach. Guru. <laughs> a guru, all that. Yeah, it's amazing. The, like, the knowledge that you have, it's so good to hear from you. Yeah. So how about, you mentioned a little bit, I know you're passionate about mental health, and you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, about looking after your well-being. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about mental health, how that's been to you and maybe people around you? So it's only been recently this year where, you know, I focused on myself. 
sometimes with people with depression or anxiety, which is common in people, a lot common in people, and people can experience depression and they will experience depression because it's, it's an emotion. It's not something that's abnormal, mm. but it's only abnormal if it's through a long period of time. And, you know, it's, I've had depression, but I've overcome it. And as I said, no feelings final. Yeah. And people might say, you know. I love that. No yeah. feelings final. Yeah. That's such a good little expression. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. And, you know, people might say this won't last. It might feel like that or it might not feel like that. But, you know, patience is a virtue and it's just the willpower determined to get out of that emotion, that habit of thinking. Because, you know, I've only realised now with my coping mechanisms is I write my emotions down on a piece of paper. You know, I write back a recap of a diary of how I'm feeling and that sometimes helps. Yeah. But it's just about the right, positive, healthy coping mechanisms. As I said, you're learning about yourself every day, which is good. And each knockdown you have is going to make you stronger. Mm -hmm. And we're human. We have emotions. And that happens. It will end. And it might not feel like it, but, you know, hang in there. And... You might suddenly feel happy and then rise back down. At least you've still got hope. And, like, set yourself goals every day. Listen to the right music. Mm-hmm. Maybe go for walks. I know that takes quite a lot of willpower to do. Yeah. But you can if you want to. And, you know, I find school as a safe place because even if you're on a mainstream school, you can still... There's always counsellors there. Yeah. And there's always teachers there that know you. And I'm going to say this because I think you're with teachers, you know, we're with teachers like every day, like the whole day, every week. Teachers would know you better as your personality, mindset and how you are and how you're feeling. And they know you better than your parents. Because those teachers, you're spending time with those teachers every single day, every single hour. They know, like, your personality and everything. But your parents know is, you know, who you are if you're feeling bad, if your feelings, you know, happy. Mm. And there's going to be, you know, even if you don't want to talk to your parents, you can speak to a teacher. That's fine. That's right. Yeah, that's such good advice. But you know, if you don't trust them, then you don't have to speak to them. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah, that's really great. Thanks, Jamie. And going on to another topic you're super passionate about is peer pressure, especially in schools. Is that right? Yes. So peer pressure. So I'm going to explain this. Peer pressure could be a child gets a new coat, like kind of nice and that another child has peer pressure and gets a new coat and but then then a child looks at those two and they're like oh okay right that's not good I can't do that I can't have that so they're kind of pressurized 
it's all inside and they're kind of pressurized to do that. And it's normal. And I would say in girls, they can find it a lot more harder with peer pressure because it's that environment with, I'm not a girl myself, but it's an environment in wearing the right clothes, taking a selfie, that's perfect. Make sure there's no spots on your face. Make sure your hair's not out of place. You know, I'm not a girl myself, but I know I can only put myself in your shoes. Mm. So, you know, have a good perspective, you know, care about people. And, you know, if they call out for help, then you can help them, but only for a certain extent. But friends are friends, and I would say when you get out, it can cause a lot of friction. And that's where you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and think, is this my friend? Because at the end of the day, school is for learning and you're there to get your exams as GCSEs. It's not for a high school teenage drama. <laughs> you know, I'm only being honest. And, you know, it's straightforward. It's, it's simple. So, you know, if you're feeling that energy, then just think about it, you know, because mm. you've got to make sacrifices in life. So, yeah. That's such a good message. And that's something that I didn't even think at the time when I was back in school. Like, I don't know, because you're in school for such a long time, since what, like the age of like four until even earlier than that, like three until like what, 16, and then you do A levels, 18, which so it's like your whole life, it's all you ever know. And so I've known lots of like teenagers who can get so caught up with things and it's understandable because it's the life that you know and your friends are everything in school and I guess you don't know what life is outside of school and what life could be like in the future and things like that. And so it is actually, it's an amazing perspective that you have. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Thanks. Okay, and so a question that I always ask anyone who comes on to these conversations with me, which I love to hear about at the end. So I'd love to know if you could go back and meet your younger self before you've gone through all of these experiences that you've had with school and at home and lockdown and your experiences, yeah, all of the experiences you've had before you knew it all, what would you tell your younger self? If I could tell my younger self, I'd probably tell my younger eight, nine-year-old self, if I saw him, I would probably give him a good slap in the face (laughs) and say, you know, think about what you're doing. Don't miss any lessons. Because when I was in year four... I was was not expecting that at all. (laughs) You know, I would say you miss it. Because in year four, I missed a lot of lessons. Because that school couldn't facilitate my needs. Yeah. And I had the choice to go to the school that I am at now in year four. And I wish I went. Because now there is a massive gap difference and... Yeah. As I said, you will have to make sacrifices and friends will cause friction in your life. Yeah. And as I said again, you need to focus on yourself because what I thought was my friends. I thought, Mm. I don't want to leave my friends though. I don't want to leave this. And I said, well, even if I leave, when I see them, they're going to start taking mick out of me. I thought about everyone else. And not me. 
So if I saw him, I would probably say, go to the school that I am at now. Wow, that's amazing. Apart from the bit of slapping you in the face, because <laughs> as a kid, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have known that, would you? No. So I think we always encourage whoever comes on to be compassionate towards yourself, which you have shared so well to everybody who's listening to look after themselves. And you've learned that along the way, haven't you? Yes. To be compassionate to yourself and think about yourself first, which in the long run, it's not selfish because you'll be able to be your best version of yourself, yeah. which then will impact all the people around you, which is amazing. So, yeah, I think that's it then for today. Right. Thank you so much for joining me yeah. and sharing all your wisdom to everybody who listens. Thanks for listening to Compassionate Conversations. Make sure you have a listen to our other episodes and don't forget to subscribe. And follow us on at Single Parents Wellbeing.